So here we go, Life Jitsu, Art of Life, here with my friend Luis Oliveira, who is the owner of the Samba Latte franchise here in Las Vegas. And uh, for those of you who maybe don't live in Las Vegas, Luis is essentially raising the bar on the coffee house experience here. There's a lot of, you know, they got the cool, like, Latin American sizzle here. <laughs> Gourmet coffee is just a great spread of food and desserts, and it's the perfect place to come for a first date, a business meeting. He's very strategically uh, located here in Boca Park. You right. knew your audience. You knew your demographic. Right. We want to create a place so you can see, savor, savor and socialize and be your third place, a place that you can bring your family, you can bring your friends, you can come to study, you can come to relax, you can come to have a coffee, bring a date. I mean, do, the ideas are endless. <laughs> now, really quick, we're going to dive into the future of coffee. Coffee is a super popular commodity around the world. I think it's the third biggest commodity. Third biggest commodity of, the, of coffee. And coffee right now, the production, it is... Uh, 155 million bags and per uh, year per year yes is that and, an all-time high yes country like um, Vietnam stopped producing like a 29 million bags a year but remember it is produced uh, robusta because of the elevation countries like China stop producing coffee arabica on the region where they grow teas because mm. there's more money on the coffee, there's more demand for coffee than the tea. So you're saying China is sort of transitioning now to growing a lot more coffee because yes. they're seeing that there's a greater demand for coffee than right. tea. and the population. And even if you look at on the news, yesterday Starbucks announced they're going to open, I believe, 6,000 stores in China in the next 5 or 10 years. It is crazy. <laughs> so there is a demand for people to drink coffee because they, I mean, as the war shift, uh, our parents or grandparents used to drink tea, which I still love tea and you love tea. And you do, and you sell tea and you have yeah. a wide variety of teas right. here, some good teas. But the new generation of those countries like China, uh, Thailand, and Japan, uh, they, the Asia in general are shifting now to drink coffee versus tea. So that's why the demand such a huge growth right now on those countries about coffee. It's interesting. Um, and by the way, we're going to talk, we're here primarily to talk with Luis. Luis is from Brazil. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't know, Brazil happens to be the largest producer of coffee beans in the world. So 55, 55 59 million bags, depending of the year, the harvest. This is going to supposed to be. A great harvest, they're estimating, I believe, 61 million bags. 61 million bags. Yeah. So, Lewis, I refer to him playfully as the coffee king, the coffee connoisseur, because it's in the blood. Your, I believe, your great grandfather or your grandfather? Great grandfather used to be a coffee farmer. Yeah, coffee farmer. Uh, uh, coffee producer. <laughs> yes, coffee producer. So, it's in this guy's blood. It's hard to beat. In the blood, he's from Brazil. He's got the connections <laughs> in Brazil to the right researchers, the right scientists, the art of growing this stuff. But, but so getting to the popularity of coffee now, because it's now exploding in China, it could replace tea, right? They've had a love affair with tea in those yes. Asian countries forever. Coffee is on the rise, and coffee is looking to bump tea mm-hmm. in popularity. 
What is it about the coffee? I mean, we know the taste, we know the caffeine, but what is it about the coffee? There's sort of an experience, there's sort of a psychology when someone wakes up and they get the coffee. <laughs> it's not just the physical caffeine and the boost. There's something else where it seems to go with conversation. It tends to talk about that. What is driving has to coffee do, popularity? Uh, with the quality of the coffee. Uh, people are learning to drink uh, um, a better coffee. The coffee is produced in the world has been raising the quality dramatically in the past 10, 20 years. Not the same coffee that our parents used to drink. You drink coffee, it is the level, it's just pretty much like you drink wine. Mm -hmm. Just like uh, I remember 15 years ago, Asia created this huge demand to buy wines. They developed this love affair uh, for wines, uh, uh, flavors, special Burgundies and Bordeaux wines was their number one popularity. And I remember even in the U.S., when I was in the hotel business, we had a difficult time to get certain wines because they were beating and buying for a high Because it was becoming popular in Asia. Yes. And so it, yeah. it was hard to get the wine you wanted because, bam, the demand has went up. Right. The demand. And now it is this love affair with coffee in Asia, which is create this huge explosion of coffee industry right now in those countries. Wow. Interesting thing. Um, hand-picked, because I saw downstairs, you know, Lewis, if you, if you ever come to Las Vegas, you should visit. He's got multiple stores here. He's got the opportunity to grow and have probably dozens of stores, very selective about opening which stores, because among other things, he wants to retain the quality, the experience. Right. You don't want to dilute that quality. Yeah, you want to create uh, the experience for each guest. Uh, but going back, uh, the hand-picked coffee. Yeah, because I, I do want to talk about hand-picked because when I buy olives now, I mean, a lot of the olives on the market are fake olives. Believe it, a lot of the olive oil is fake. A lot of the <laughs> honey is fake. Mm -hmm. Most of the corn in America is genetically modified, most of the soy. So someone like me who's a purist who wants, I want high quality. So I'm looking at hand-picked olives, right? So mm -hmm. you have hand-picked down there. How much of the gourmet coffees are, because I know that's a pain in the butt for the person picking it. It's, it's a very right. laborious, tedious task. But what's the advantage of hand-picked and how much of the coffee that, that any of us drinks is hand-picked? What are you talking about? And we're going to talk about the coffee of the future. And one discussion uh, on the lecture that I was attending in Seattle, talking about the mechanized harvest, yeah. uh, which is right now it is 65% of the coffee collect. In Meaning the it's not hand-picked. Yeah. It's mechanized, mechanized coffee is not hand-picked. Yeah, yeah, it's not hand-picked. Full mechanized. So 35% of it is hand-picked? No, 65%. No, no, no. What, what percentage of the world uh, of the world's um, coffee is hand-picked? I cannot tell you, but it is because... It, uh, on the uh, farm, it is you have the hand pick, mm -hmm. semi mechanized, and mechanized. Yeah. If every producer would have a choice, which is the future, they're gonna have to go through mechanized, right? Because of the labor and the time involved to collect. Right. Okay. One you have more, guy, more money, more money, more right. profit too. Right. So. And I give an example. Uh, one guy can collect maybe two, three bags. If you work very hard in the day. In the field, a coffee worker a maybe, machine, may, may, maybe would produce two yeah. or three bags in a day. A machine can collect that in minutes. Yeah. So knowing that there's a labor cost involved uh, because what happened is every time I go to Brazil, the producers have the same story telling me more, more and more getting difficult to keep the people in the field because 
they want to be in the city, the internet, the cable. Right. It's hard to find labor. It's hard yeah. to find someone. It's, it's not an easy life to just sit right. there and handpick. So, and, uh, and not only that, you cost probably 50% of your harvest is already only, only on your labor just to, to collect the coffee. Mm. So this creates this huge issue for the future because, I mean, how much, because the labor keep increasing right. and the, uh, right. the rights, how much more can I offer? You get to the point and say, handpick is being possible to do it. Right. And the mechanize, it is the future of the producers because, uh, you know, because you have very short, even today asking me about when the harvest start, and it is harvest start already start in Brazil in April, end of April, mid-April. I mean, depending where you are, and goes extend all the way to September. So that's when most of the coffee is produced is between April and September. Yeah, in the harvest happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you have a mechanized uh, when you're ready, you can do immediately. The problem is if you are uh, uh, hand pick, it's raining. Okay. The terrain became very difficult for you to go up the hill on the truck, on the car, whatever it is. Known that the rain, the terrain, the mud, you slide very hard, and the coffee is not good when you harvest during the rain. Mm. So the weather has to be good because you don't want to wait the coffee for too long on the tree because you're going to get too hot, too much sun. And uh, you're gonna so as soon as it's ready to harvest and ready to ready to pick or get it off, you, there, you want to, you want to get it off. Yeah, there. it is a nerve wreck for yes. the producers uh, during the harvest because you Tight have to make sure and, yeah. the deadlines. Which lot I'm gonna do the first? Because you want to make sure that you produce the produce that you pick the coffee on the peak. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you over it's the fascinating. peak, it, it reminds me of like an athlete where, where you talk about peaking, like for the Olympics or mm-hmm. peaking for the World Championships. It's an art because sometimes right. they over they overtrain, and then and right. it's fascinating to hear you talk about that. And uh, knowing that, so if you go, uh, uh, especially on the hand pick, too early, what's going to happen is there's still a loss of green uh, cherry that is going to affect the flavor of the coffee. That's but when talking about the coffee of the future, and it is it was fascinating. To hear when I was in Seattle, because uh, they were talking about the wine, the grapes. We ferment grapes for centuries to produce wine. We uh, ferment the cocoa, the cacao, to produce chocolate for centuries. We do ferment the beer, uh, the yeast to make the beer. Or even the whiskeys, yeah, the whiskeys yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. These, they're talking about decades sometimes mm. for the whiskeys. And too. now uh, the fermentation of the coffee. It's going to be something that's going to be revolu- going to revolution uh, the industry because... You mean like a cigar or a whiskey yeah. or a wine or... Because yes, the quality. Not only that, because uh, a few years ago when I was in Brazil, I heard uh, some producer talking about the fermentation doing, and they were experimenting. And I said, okay, it'd be interesting. But I never really uh, gave me, okay, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Uh when I went my last time, I asked one of the producer, how did it go? And he said, not too well. Trying, trying to ferment. To ferment, trying to yes. Get. But now, uh, when I was in Seattle, uh, uh, I was this speech by, uh, promoted by New Coffee Brazil. Uh, and they have one of the top guys in the world talk about the coffee. is a doctor. And uh, he's from the Universidade Federal de Lavras, in Minas, Minas Gerais, professor. Flavio Borain, 
and Professor uh, Christina, uh, forgot her last name now, but uh, she is a specialist on doing cocoa fermentation. Mm -hmm. And now what are they doing with the coffee? Which is the chocolate from fermenting the yeah, chocolate. Yeah, the cocoa, yes. Yes. Now they are con doing a, in a controlled environment with a controlled yeast, with a controlled temperature and the environment, the fermentation. And uh, the result has been phenomenal because they say the coffee quality can go up to five points. Yeah. Knowing that uh, the yielding for the producer is going to increase yeah. because before the producer have to separate the green beans to the yellow, to the cherry, because the flavor profile. And now with the fermentation, they can, can, get mix, all, them. can mix them all together. They ferment all together. Uh, the humidity has to be about 11%. Uh, with the carbohydrate to the microorganism together, they produce the fermentation, uh, which is for days they stay ferment in this tank and uh, the result has been unbelievable so is, is that to say Lewis just just to just for the listener out there that is to say then that we're talking basically about aging coffee we're talking about so the coffee could be marked I could maybe come into your store in five years and it could say this coffee was this this place in Brazil it's 2018. And, and, and it could potentially be a very unique taste. It could be a five-year-old coffee maybe that was made. Is, uh, that, is that it or no? No, that is not. We're talking uh, about like a wine where it's like it was born in this date. It was from this field. Yeah, Are we going there yeah, like olives? Yeah, yeah you don't have to age the coffee because... Uh, so, okay, so when we're talking about fermentation, we're talking about kind of like, uh, like with kombucha where it doesn't have to necessarily be aged. It's just that the fermenting is going to give it a unique taste and character. Exactly, right? yes. It doesn't have to be aged necessarily. It just needs to go through... This this fermentation elaborate fermentation process, process. Yes. yes, which it currently is not is not really necessarily going through that. It's not really going yeah. through that all because the, the coffee uh, uh, when you wash the coffee and you have to dry the coffee, okay, and uh, so it's pretty much washing the coffee on the fermentation to extract to get this flavor, the ferment to get into the uh, on on the molecular you know of the uh, of the cherry to add the flavor. Uh, which is the produce uh, very interesting when I was in Seattle they have when you get in the room you have two different coffee to taste and uh, we taste no, still good coffee and uh, at the end uh, be, the beginning of the, uh, the, uh, the lecture Professor Borain asked which coffee you think you like the most and it was about a group of maybe 40 people every single one liked coffee number two which he, he explained, uh, this coffee, it is a fermented coffee. And uh, was amazing to see because I believe, you now he explained the fermentation, add a little more body, add more texture, make the coffee smoother, has more, uh, 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 a better flavor, extract more a flavor. So it means that uh, the coffee uh, and they try different producers, different region, different varietal, and everything. And because, I mean, the coffee, depending on the region, you know, the soil, the climate, the temperature, the weather, the mountains, and everything, affect the flavor. 
And they try, I, I can't remember right now, but how many different varietals, different regions. And uh, they, they, uh, they, the end, of the, the result at the end was very similar, was not too much variation on the flavor of the coffee. So that means that uh, the coffee that we're going to drink in the future is going to be a much better coffee than we ever drank before. Even interesting enough, I told... In quality, though, or just in taste? Quality and taste. Because not only the producers won't produce better coffee because they, they're going to increase the yielding of the, of the production. They increase the yielding, they're going to increase the revenue. If they increase the revenue on the quality of the coffee, they're going to increase uh, the score of the coffee, which means they can sell for a higher price. Mm -hmm. I mean, and all those things affect, that means they, everybody wins because the producer generate more revenue uh, so they can invest on the technology and research and equipment and give it this more fascinating passion for them to do it. And we, at the end, as a consumer, we're going to drink a better coffee than we ever drink, drank it before. And so we're talking about... And you think that's coming when? In how many years? Is that... Is that is, well, I think in a few years... How many years will I be able to walk into a coffee store and experience that fermented coffee, fermented delight? I'll probably say in, in three to five years, we're going to see some... Uh, I mean, I'm going to be able to put a hands on... Right. Is on that those. going to be considered a gourmet coffee? Yeah, it's still a gourmet coffee. It's still yes. a specialty coffee. I, I'm, we're going to be able to put our hands on these uh, fermented beans ahead of everybody. I guarantee you that. Yeah. Before many other people, because there are connections in Brazil. But this is going to. Uh, uh, so the the another thing I explained, and I said, when we first opened this store here in 2010, I remember most of the guests used to come here add sugar, add syrup milk on their coffee and I tell you right now maybe 40% do that because you know I mean it is even I have a, a, a one the guest they used to add milk all the time and they say please do me a favor try one day one day without <laughs> I cannot impose people but I was suggesting to do it and uh, he did it at home and it was on Sunday morning and he texted me and said I cannot believe it. This is was the best coffee I ever drank in my life without no sugar and no milk. <laughs> um, so yeah, th that's interesting because I drink my coffee straight black as well. I do all the time, yeah. Um, the cappuccino and the flat white that I like the most, yeah. I drink with no sugar because the way how we steam the milk, uh, you extract the natural sugar of the milk. Um, so it is enough sweetness that you don't need to add sugar. But when you uh, steam your milk in a higher temperature, you burn all those sugar, already natural sugar of the milk, and you eliminate, so lose the flavor, you need to add sugar to taste better. Going back really quick to hand-picked, because I'm still fascinated by hand-picked, whether it's olives, whether it's coffee. Is a hand-picked coffee Normally, like so, the if if you were to, if I was to go to Brazil with you and we were okay. to go walk around a coffee farm and okay. you had thirty different coffee beans for me to sample, 
Is the hand-picked one probably going to be the best one I've, that I've tasted out of the highest quality, though, ideally? I know that it's a pain in the butt, and it's hard with the labor. Not necessarily. None, not necessarily. Uh, because it is depending of the elevation, the varietal. Um, is it the probably age. the healthiest, though, the hand-picked? No, it is not. It doesn't mean... It's just the only thing it is was hand-picked by a human being versus a machine. Yeah. That's the only difference. And the difference is... Uh, the hand pick it is done in in regions and in, in areas which a machine doesn't have access because it's on the top of the hill, and uh, the uh, the terrain, the angle, the machine wouldn't be able to stand there, you know, mm -hmm. flip over. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. A friend of mine, pretty smart guy, he's in real big into alternative medicine and higher consciousness and. Uh, he had told me years ago, he's not a scientist, but he had told me for years ago, he said, Frank, coffee is one molecule removed from chocolate. They're very similar molecular composition. They're very similar in, with the caffeination. He was claiming that. Smart guy. Now, what's, you piqued my curiosity because you said this, one of the experts at the coffee conference you went to, the future of coffee, said... Hey, she, she's an expert in cocoa fermentation. Right. And now, so coffee's right there. She's going to figure that out. She's mm -hmm. going to crack that code. Just from your vantage point, is co are coffee and chocolate very similar molecularly? What are, they have a lot in common, I guess, from your vantage point. You're a coffee expert. I, honest, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I really don't know. I know that cacao, it is a little bigger. Do they grow cacao a lot of cacao in, in Brazil? Brazil? Yes. They do? Yeah. And cacao. I need to get some Brazil chocolate. I haven't tried that yet. I need to get some <laughs> yeah, of that. It is good. Um, it is uh, a much bigger, uh, I mean, uh, because coming in a shell. Is it a fruit as well? Because coffee is a fruit, right? Coffee is a fruit. People don't yeah. know that. Avocado is a fruit. Mm -hmm. Is coffee a fruit? I mean, is, is chocolate yeah, a fruit? I have a cacao. Is, you know, but it's, chocolate is, a, is a fruit here. as well, or no? Huh? Is chocolate a fruit as well? Does it grow like a fruit as well? Yeah, it's growing the tree. Wow. And uh, get the, this long, like this with the cocoa beans inside. Um, it is uh, very, I mean, your taste doesn't have any, that's why I have to go to the fermentation. So you, if I was the, just to eat it right off the tree, it's, oh, it's no, yeah, incredibly mean, bitter and yeah, just, just rough. Yeah, yeah you can. Yeah. The same with the coffee. If you take coffee with the skin everything and you bite, and it is just the green the fruit, and there's no flavor, anything like that. Yep. When you talk about the, the fermentation, what exactly, I mean, we imagine like with a kombucha, with a kombucha, when they're fermenting it, they have alcohol, they have these different methods. With coffee, what would you use to ferment it? Uh, they use yeast. Yeah. Uh, it is a control uh, yeast that the Professor Boring and Professor Christina, they, they've developed after so many studies. Uh, that uh, this has to be this perfect yeast that they develop to be fermented because it's not gonna it's gonna allow to bring more flavors out versus when I told you the, the producer they did fermentation his own and the cough came out horrible because they you know he just told me it tastes like smell like rotten uh, 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 sewage is unbelievable the, the smell we couldn't stand <laughs> but it is because uh, was not scientific study creating a lab 
uh, to really uh, right. uh, there's, there's probably break. thousands or tens of thousands of ways to ferment something and to right. do it properly. So it has to right. be the appropriate fermentation for this particular mm-hmm. crop, coffee. Right. Let me ask you this: because the demand, it seems like the global demand for coffee is going up. If Asian, you know, the most people, most of the people in the right. world mm-hmm. are in Asia. Right? Asia, I think, has the greatest population of people in the world. Coffee is going gangbusters and and surging in popularity in Asia. So now with that popularity... Be a shortage of coffee. That's what I mean. (laughs) I'm saying, is it like right now a cup of coffee might cost you as much as a gas of gasoline, Mm -hmm. right? A a gallon of gasoline. But in the future, in the next five years, is is your prediction, is a cup of coffee going to get noticeably more expensive because of the demand? Or is it going to probably stay... uh, uh, you know, I mean, the study shows that people talk about going to be shortage of coffee, but the uh, the experts say there's not going to be shorter co- shortage of coffee. It's going to be there is shortage of labor uh, to produce to help to produce the coffee because in areas that needs a hand pick or producers that cannot afford to have uh, a mechanized harvest, and so they won't be able to do the harvest in time to sell the coffee. You understand? Mm-hmm. So if uh, we start shifting more mechanized uh, in the future, we're going to be no problem because we have plain land and uh, more areas that uh, we start discovering that can grow coffee in region, especially in Brazil, areas that, like, I can't believe it, is growing coffee over there. Now they're growing special, uh, the, uh, the Robusta, which they call Conilon. Uh, which is a variety of the... Uh, there are those certain regions that are known for growing coffee. We think of places like Brazil. You mentioned Ethiopia, Mexico, Guatemala, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned last time. You said Ethiopia is arguably the best coffee, again, because it's a delicacy. Mm-hmm. They don't... There's not... There's, what, three million or so, I think, uh, cups of coffee, you say, coming out of Ethiopia a year, maybe? No, I think it's more. I didn't believe it's 6 million. Okay, so 9 million, million, maybe 12. But can you, can you, is it going to get to the point where you can grow this stuff pretty much anywhere, indoor, in a lab or something? Because Uh, you just just wonder, if there's only so many places to grow it, and then once you reach that capacity to grow it there, where are you going to grow it? I mean, can you grow it? Is it like pot? Like, they're growing pot. Now (laughs) that they're legalizing marijuana, they're just building indoor facilities with special lighting, and they're just growing it anywhere. Can coffee be like I'm not an expert to say that. But I can say the way how the technology, the science, uh, the research, you might be able to grow coffee indoors in the future as you recreate uh, with the soil, uh, uh, with the humidity. Because they're doing that with with other crops, right? Yeah, with the sunlight and everything. But it's still plenty, especially in Brazil, plenty land in Central America, South America, land in Africa to grow coffee. They... The war in the future, it is about how we're going to grow coffee. It is about conserving water. That's, uh, that's one of the producers. Uh, now, Brazil, you guys are strategically very lucky because when it comes to fresh water, even though I know the water is yeah, an issue, have, we, you guys have a lot more fresh water than a lot of places. Yeah, we have for sure because the, the, the rainforest, the rain, and everything. But one of the producers, Enrique from, from Fazenda Samambaia, he was telling me that he sees the future of the coffee, grown coffee, shade grown. Because grown in the shade. Growing the shade among the trees. Which would require less water in theory? Require less water. 
Uh, the coffee trees have a break from the sun. Not all the time you get the sun. Uh, it is almost become like a more controlled environment for the trees. I mean, especially like Mexico, they have a lot of in Veracruz, which is on the west side of Mexico, on the coast, they have a lot of shade-grown coffee, uh, which is an amazing coffee as well, but the production is not big enough. But it, it, Is course, most of the here, coffee shade-grown currently, grown in the shade? Is most of the world's coffee supply? No, no, it's not. No, so, so you think there will be north. a shift to that? Yeah, it's going to be a and shift. And it's partly driven by the need uh, to conserve water? Conserve water... Why, why is water conservation? Is it just because water is expensive, or is it? Hey, we're just we feel like as a as a world we're maybe like fresh water is only I think three percent or so of the. I mean, what what's the big? Why, why is if you think about a huge farm, and if you have an irrigation system, and you have to re- irrigate. I mean, if how many gallons of water are we talking about? If you, I, I don't have an idea, but I visit lot, one. A crazy I visit of water one there. farm in Brazil. On Cerrado Mineiro, which the irrigation system was a state of art, they have a sen- they had a sensor in each coffee tree, and talking about I don't know how many trees they had there, but they produced ten thousand bags a year, and every time that uh, uh, the sensors uh, uh, the the terroir get to a certain hardness, uh, a dry, automatic sensor start dripping water to keep the humidity of the ground so give enough uh, strength for the roots to keep growing, to keep producing what they need for the tree. And if you think about, at the end of the day, how much water that, know that it is the water they use to wash the coffee. Mm. Um, it is a lot, it's a tons of water. And now uh, countries like Colombia and they have a new equipment, which they are, uh, the water they use, they are reusing the water, go to another process or clean the water to reuse, to save the water because it is billions and millions of gallons of water get used to for the coffee. It really is amazing. Wow. Um, we were talking earlier about the future of coffee, and one of the things that Lewis and I were talking about off camera is the the future of anything right the future where a lot of people maybe are not going to want to go to the grocery store too much time the time it takes to drive there the time it takes mm-hmm. to park walk around the store etc so it's kind of like in in dubai the united arab emirates where everything is sent to your house or your hotel room and we're talking about you have a you have great brick and mortar properties here you create a great experience mm-hmm. but it's very possible that in the future most of the money you make in Sambalate will not be on the premises or from your headquarters. It's possible it could be out in the world. How do you adapt to, I guess, what does the future look like in terms of people sitting down and the experience? And maybe most of your sales will be people through a drive through or a convention, a wedding, a big event, something like that. How are you going to adapt? I believe you have to diversify your business, your options, so you're not tied up only. And but I believe coffee is just like a meal. Even when you're talking about shopping center retail uh, being down revenue because people are not shopping, they shop online because of the convenience and everything. But I think for uh, even I was telling you earlier about the delivery, the Uber delivery, and all those companies, the convenience to have in your house. But for coffee, be 
a little difficult because you cannot have a cappuccino delivered to your house because the quality is not going to taste the same. We can go to an event or to a, 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 like we participate many times to prepare some coffee and to do it uh, right on there. the premises. On go the there on the premises, fresh, make on it. It's hot. Yeah, it's on demand. Uh, brew coffee is different because. Are you seeing a demand in that? Are you seeing an increased demand in that, and people saying, "Come to our event, come to our." Uh, yeah, we have a lot of uh, requests. Uh, the thing is, people don't understand that uh, there is a cost involved. <clears throat> excuse me on that, and they don't want to uh, spend the money. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's not uh, not cheap to do that. Just yeah, and they they the think they'll be uh, uh, the same as you show up over there, and it's okay, two dollars a coffee, but it is. I mean, a lot of cost involved to get the staff prepared, the equipment ready, to rent a car, to go over there, the hours to set up, to break, to serve, to break it down. <laughs> and now parking as well, thanks to, uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks to if you're on the strip, $12, $15, $20 for parking. Right. Yeah. So all those things, but the, uh, the, uh, the, the shifting, you know, we're talking about the future, everything in the house things. And I think the coffee of the future is going to be a delicious coffee is going to be an, an amazing coffee that you're going to sip and you're going to say, wow, what a great cup of coffee I ever had. <laughs> you're, in the right, you're in the right business because, uh, you know, they can have all the robots they want, but people are still going to want their, their coffee. Um, you had meant you have something going. You're, you've envisioned a coffee lab experience right. where it might be on the, I guess on the Las Vegas Strip you prepare like a 50 yeah, page yeah we have a, it's not Las Vegas Boulevard because uh, the cost yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very close but it would uh, cater we, to, to maybe to tourists coming right. into Las Vegas yeah we're negotiating right in the negotiation for a roastery a roastery space uh, which is going to be an amazing space which we're going to have uh, our coffee lab which is going to be SCA certified with specialty coffee association certified lab, a training room for about 16 people, and our cold brew production and uh, roasting coffee as well. And uh, what are we going to do? I already talked to a couple people on the strip about maybe creating a tours. People, more coffee aficionado, people want to do something, learn more, do a tasting, just like I do. You do a wine tasting in the winery things so you want to do a taste what are you going to get out of that are you going to be able to just sell them if they like it they do a wine a coffee tasting and there will be bags there from brazil so they can yeah, buy that they can buy coffee. yes and is it more a learning experience than anything else that we want to create because oh so they could they could just pay up front they could right, say hey, whatever yeah, whatever the yeah. process is i pay and up front more, to participate in that tour more that lab well educated we have the consumer better we all win as a whole because now you appreciate a great cup of coffee versus a generic coffee that you drink on the gas station some other places. What was the gap you saw? Because, again, the, the, the coffee consumer has many choices. They can get their coffee yeah. from 7-Eleven. They can get it from Starbucks. They can get it from the coffee bean, Pete's Coffee, on and on and on, a lot of coffee houses. What was the gap you saw, and how <clears> would you describe <throat> what you do, that your customer comes here for what? What, is, what differentiates you? Customer coming here first because uh, the quality of the product. The coffee. Yeah, uh, which is the coffee. Uh, the soul of our business, above anything that we sell here, it is a coffee. It is always going to be coffee. We want to focus on the coffee. Keep focus on the coffee in the future and you not get out the coffee. 
that's why we invest lots of training with the baristas. They go to Brazil every year for the harvest. Uh, we engage in this relationship with the producer from farm to cup, and we get all the, we have access to all those information in a one premiere versus you know what I mean like not being like uh, when they release in the media everybody knows and things like that. So we know what to give is a, a, a very good position. And but we want to create an experience for each guest that come here. I create a great environment that they come. I give an example. I have a guest that come here for seven years, maybe seven seven years. I would say seven years. He said, Wow, I can't believe how much competition you have and I said yes. I mean everybody thinking open a coffee, but he said, Let me tell you, this place here is always so special. And I said, Why? Because the vibe, the energy, the, the quality, the product, everything, this place makes this place special. And we want to continue create this special environment that people come and say, wow, when you do the roastery, it's going to be such a unique space that people are going to say, wow, I love it. And we have our store, this mid-center, that we should be open this summer. We're going to do an afternoon tea. There's going to be... An, an incredible experience. I want to create this five-star plus experience uh, with the high tea, uh, afternoon tea, that very European style, that you're going to go there, you're going to sit down, you're going to experience, and you're going to say, wow, I can't wait to go back, come back again. So you're going to unleash a new tea there as well, or yeah? Yeah, we have a, a new, new some tea of, experience yeah, as well, yeah. in addition to the, all the coffee that you sell. Yes, for the, doing the Broadway series, yeah. we're going to do it. Uh, even we haven't even start already get calls people calling every couple call for a birthday party they want to do and I have another uh, someone interested to bring a group in the fall for 100 people for the tea so it is a niche that you we always gonna have to carve to penetrate a new market a new thing that gonna give you the edge in the business yeah you used to you told me once before you said we don't you say we, we don't follow the trends; we we set the trend. Right. Um, by the way, your connections in Brazil are those are key as well. I mean, you're you're. I've seen you work. You're a very hard worker. You're humble. Um, you have great attention to detail of every aspect of the operation, from you know the branding on down to the product to the you know as you said from the from the farm to the cup. But your connections in Brazil maybe are key. Maybe you have access maybe to some coffee that not just anybody can go and get access to that. Because, again, it matters where you're getting the coffee. Where's the origin of the coffee, the quality of the coffee? Is that something you consider an advantage where you say, hey, look, I'm from Brazil. We do the best coffee, and I got connections, and I can get quality (laughs) that I don't think it's easy for other people to get this quality. Is that 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 an advantage? Yes, I agree with that because when I go over there, talking the same language, identify... I am a Brazilian as well, and uh, they know that I have the coffee bar in, in America, and they say, oh, I want to sell my coffee to him because they can tell, hey, I sold this coffee for a Brazilian guy in Las Vegas versus say, oh, I sell my coffee to a gringo. <laughs> right, right. Of some big company. So that can be an advantage. Say, hey, yeah, look, yeah, there, there, there's only so much quality. Like, again, coffee is just like anything else where there's a hierarchy, there's a quality. Some coffee maybe is here. Oh, no, some yeah. coffee maybe is here. No, I, I, believe, here. I believe there's an advantage for us yeah. on, that, on, that, on, on, this, on, on this 
area because... You're buying from a Brazilian who happens to be from the place <laughs> that produces the most coffee in the world and maybe has some of the highest quality coffee. And uh, they, and there's a little more pride because when you sell for a broker and the broker can sell for 10 different other place or roasters that uh, might do a good job, might do a fair job, but they know that we're going to take pride on the product and uh, some of them have been to your some of them have been here maybe yeah, when couple you go over there, been, some of them couple, come here a couple already have been here as well and we want to keep promoting that this relationship from farm to cup this uh, that we know them they know the us and that we know what they're doing they send me a picture when the harvest start and uh, they keep me informed how things are going what they're doing which is great so there is no there is more than a relationship it's a friendship as well yeah. among us. Final thing, you tasted your first coffee when? How old? I think probably I was six, seven, somewhere around then, maybe eight, I can't remember. And do you remember your reaction? It was like, oh, this is really good. I love good. it. <laughs> yeah. And you have a son. How old is your son now? Uh, he's going to be four in July. Son's four. How old do you think before he tastes his first coffee? Uh, I'll try maybe six, seven, the same age. You find my wife doesn't complain. <laughs> do you think, wait, do people come in here, how young do you see people drinking coffee when they're in here, in your store? I see teenagers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't see younger. It's funny because we had, uh, many years ago, this guest used to come here, and his daughter was four years old, and she wants to drink a cappuccino. And, uh, Which is like the strongest thing. And uh, so he said, make a steamer for her. And uh, just the steamed milk, and give it to her, and put a little syrup, and she drinking the steamer, thinking she was drinking cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> so she had, she she felt psychologically like she's having the experience. She didn't know. Yeah, she, she was actually, four years old, but she was it. drinking the steamer, and she was thinking it was a cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> well, life jitsu, art of life. It's been a pleasure, uh, Louis. Uh, always, I like what you're doing here. I like what you're building. It's. Um, just really, as I said, raising the bar on the coffee experience. Is there anything else you wanted to add to people? You're the future of coffee. You went to that conference. Is there anything else you feel like is really important for people to know about where the coffee train is headed in the next five, ten years? I think uh, the consumer uh, more, uh, they want to know uh, the orange of the coffee. The origin, yeah. Yes. Uh, Isn't that interesting how people want, like, new usages be people, hey, just give me my coffee, and then they walk out now. Now people really do want to know, like, you're having a coffee lab. They want to know, because people are, they're worried about their health more. They see people dying around Mm -hmm. them. They're a little more worried about, hey, what's the quality of this? Uh, People worry about uh, if the coffee, it is the level of pesticide and the coffee, because it can cause, for your, your body. And I say, all the Brazilian coffee that I know, and all the producer who's pesticide, which is environment friendly, right. which doesn't harm the environment, that means doesn't harm our body as well. Because it is very important because some of the commodity coffee, the pesticide is a high level because it's all about production. They bomb the land with the pesticide to produce the coffee. And versus the specialty, the producers worry about the land, the environment and everything. Right. So you're saying, you're saying, Frank, um, we have to be concerned about the fertilizer because 
if somebody just say, hey, who cares the fertilizer? Just let's just make the money. You're going to ruin your land. I mean, you have to have a fertilizer. You're saying right. that's more friendly, even if it's pesticide. Mm -hmm. you, you're saying you have to have one that's still friendly because you're going to hurt your own business in the long term if right. you're just bombing it with with uh, the, a pesticide that's more harsh right. and more. Yeah, they, it's like a steroids. Yeah. Produce the tree like the same, and you go to the supermarket and see chicken, and you know, I see sometimes fat, you know what I mean, the meat and everything, and you know that they probably was grew up with the hormones or whatever, antibiotic that really makes the chicken to grow faster versus uh, the same when you buy fish that grow uh, on the... On the tank versus the fish that was catch on the wild, you know the flavor is very different, mm -hmm. and the quality as well, the texture, the body, the, the, everything. But the coffee of the future, people want to drink. I believe people want to know where the coffee come from, all the procedures, and all the information that we put on the label, and they want to drink. I believe a, a beautiful, delicious coffee, which they enjoy every sip, every moment and they come here to buy the bags and they feel it's a pleasure to get something that they feel connected with as well. Do you do you know off the top of your head what percentage of the world's coffee that's sold is organic or labeled organic? Is it a very tiny, tiny percentage? Or? It's a very small uh, production. I say probably not even 10%. Not even 10%. Do you, have you seen that number go up, though, where the customer is demanding more uh, It is. Uh, I don't know if I told you in the last time that we discussed that the organic organization are changing uh, the rules. Criteria for what is the organic. The criteria, better saying, yes. Because uh, lots of producers walking away from coffee. Uh, it is a coffee. It's kind of a pain in the butt to, to, to get to achieve that certification. You just like you give an example. If you have one acre... Uh, you lose 40% the yielding of your coffee production with organic. So you lose money. So you have to sell the coffee, whatever it is, 40% higher to make up for the uh, the loss that you had. So it makes the coffee very uh, uh, pricey. Know that in all the producers talking in Brazil, talking about organic, and they say, mm, I don't want to, I don't like it, the taste doesn't have enough body, doesn't have enough flavor and everything because, and one of the producers uh, told me one time and said, thinking about if you're growing a child with no proteins, no vitamins, no vegetables, nothing, and how the child's gonna be? And said, yeah, it's interesting, said the same as the coffee. The, the tree needs the vitamins. And uh, so now the organic association, the criteria is, they allow uh, the land, uh, if you use a certain fertilizer, uh, which is uh, organic fertilizer certified by then, and uh, if you have a farm, uh, and if you use uh, those organic uh, uh, fertilizer, in three to five years, your farm can be 100% certified organic. Mm -hmm. Knowing that those fertilizer improve have have proved that improve the quality of coffee dramatically versus the other coffee just organic grown with no fertilizer anything like that. but for you then the best tasting coffee you've ever tasted was not organic yes probably yeah it's not organic it, it is uh 
you can, if you drink a cup of coffee organic versus a regular cup of coffee, a good coffee that we have, you see the difference. It is. Wow. It's interesting because my nickname is the organic tank. <laughs> and I like to buy organic, organic, organic. But when I go and you want to buy the organic apple, the organic apple is usually a much smaller apple, right? Yeah, it's yeah, smaller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot more of them have the spots. It is hard. It is not easy mm-hmm. to grow organic, just nature, because mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it can be. That's why it's more expensive and people don't understand why organic Christmas? Well, because there is so a many... A lot more of the crop you have to throw away if you're the farmer. You have to, yeah, a lot of it doesn't yeah. make the cut. You just the have to throw it away. The type of fertilizer that you buy is, is more expensive than the regular fertilizer. The land, how you treat and everything, and all those steps that you have to go to make sure your coffee... Like, even an example, if you want to roast organic coffee, we must have our... We have to... They have designated almost like a kosher a designated uh, a machine uh, only for organic and you cannot use a regular coffee there because otherwise do you have that do you sell organic coffee no I don't because it would be it, it, it would you just need to have one one machine just designated right. just organic it would tie up space and tie up a yeah, machine and they have to come and certify your machine just like a kosher you know, the rabbi has to come <laughs> and bless the equipment and <laughs> kosherize <laughs> and after bless is the same thing for organic. So it becomes harder because you have to have an equipment assigned just to produce organic. Wow, <laughs> it's too bad that organic it's it's to make it it's very difficult and there's a lot of challenges, many more challenges associated um mm. With that, it's very interesting. Yeah, you can call a coffee buy organic coffee and roast or in a machine and call it organic. But it's not 100% organic because the equipment that roasts the, the coffee was not certified by the organic uh, organization. Yeah. By the way, those of you who are <laughs> listening on the Life Jitsu podcast, you cannot see, but I got a pretty good tan going. I got a photo shoot for my book coming up, but uh, I'm envious because Lewis is naturally more tan than me. <laughs> He, uh, he's not afraid of the sun either. I don't know how he does it here in, in Vegas because I always see him working indoors. But you got you got to, how do you, how do you keep this pretty good tan going? What would you do? Uh, spray tan. <laughs> Never wear sunscreen either. No, no, love that. Never wear sunscreen. That, that's Just awesome. driving around, walking around, and uh, you get the sun. And uh, I think I mean some skins are more, uh, but I can get. I mean, forget stay in the sun. You can get even darker. I can even dark black. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I can get. Yeah, I got a little ways to go. But Louis, thank you so much. Oh, no, it's, it's been a pleasure. We will be back again. Uh, the coffee king, the coffee connoisseur, <laughs> Louis Oliveira, Brazil's favorite son, is here, and coffee's in his blood. And uh, if you don't know uh, who Samalate is, the coffee houses. Um, if you live here, you should do yourself a favor. If you like the coffee experience, come. And if you're just visiting Vegas, it's it's worth the trip off strip. I mean, there's like people getting ma- people meet here, they get married here, all kinds <laughs> yeah. of great stuff happens. So it's worth the trip. Samalate coffee houses. There's a bunch of them. One coming soon at the Smith Center too. Samalate.com. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good man. It's 51 minutes.